Hi, my name is Kibali Morethi and I would like to welcome you to the second season of Ari Diaries. Ari Diaries is an audio profiles podcast curated by Herman Ogula and I. Picking up from our first season, this series will spotlight more exemplary women who embody the Ari spirit of initiative, spirit and drive in everything they do as well as what they lend their voices to. The thematic focus will be breaking biases as well as how to achieve gender equality today for sustainable tomorrow. We are live. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to Kibali's podcast. His name is Kibali. My name is Kasiva. I'm the guest for tonight. And the sound engineer at the corner is called Ogula Herman, a.k.a. the producer. Welcome. We're keeping that intro, by the way. We're keeping that intro. That's how this episode is starting. Oh my gosh, you guys. You know, we've said the podcast, you keep laughing. We've started. Cool. Uh, actually, just a correction. Okay. It's our podcast, ours, 50-50. Oh, really? Yes, it is. Okay. Um... No, no, we've, uh, we're recording. This is, a, this is an awesome way of... Uh, Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. My name is Kasiva Mutua, and I'm taking over as the host. Sorry, I'm the guest for this podcast. The host is none other than Kibali, and our sound engineer is Herman on the corner. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this podcast. Enjoy these conversations. Passing it over. I don't even think I need to introduce this episode. See, we just get into like, <laughs> where were you born? You know, did did you did you see cows when you were like? Let's just let's just get into like, you know, what that dinosaurs where you? Oh my! You goodness. know where you grew up. You know, you sound like those kids that um, you know. Once once I was on tour in the states, and I went to a school to do a workshop, and these kids asked me. Um, how come you speak such good English? Mm. Where are you from? Um, do you have elephants in your backyard? Do you? Do you live in a hut? Do you? Do you know what Facebook is? Do you? Damn. Damn. Damn, son. Come and show you what Africa is about, Bana. You know, I grew up... Um, in Ukambani. I was born, wait, 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 I, wait. I wasn't, I didn't grow up in Ukambani. Wait, 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 don't get into that. So usually our first line is my name and then I say your name and then I ask you to introduce yourself the way that you love to be introduced. So please introduce yourself the way that you love to be introduced. The keyword is love. Love. To be introduced, yeah. My name is Kasiva Mutua. Mm-hmm. I'm a percussionist drummer, mm-hmm. recording artist, smiley face mm-hmm. from Nairobi, Kenya. Okay. Um, you know, when I think of you, and we'll get into this later, like every time I think of like if beats were a person, like if beats were a person, I think it would be you. <laughs> you know. You're right. You're absolutely that's, right. That's, 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 so I'm, 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 I'm amazed that you don't add that to like, Beats master or like rhythm something, you know. Um, as we continue. We'll get into it, we'll unpack. Not even get into it, but as we continue, you'll realize um, there are some, there's a sort of like association or um, if I could put it in, in, in like layman's language, yeah. um, there's a recognition that I actually don't recognize quote-unquote per se. Mm. Because um, you see the way you could be born with long hair Mm. and then people start noticing your long hair Mm. and then somebody tells you, hey, you have long hair, you have long hair. And then somebody comes and tells you, ah, we have a product that we would like to market and we will pay you if you put it on your long hair and we take a video and pictures and attach our brand to your long hair. Mm. And then all of a sudden you get paid. 
because mm. of it. Mm. You've been paid for. You cannot help having long hair. It's just it's, it's just you just it's, have it's it. It's your weakness. That it, it's not a weakness. For right? existing, it's just my weakness. You know, it's just the way I you have are, these you know? trans. You know, exactly. You just you're just the way you are. I I I happen to be like that. Mm. I just I just happen to understand rhythm and thoroughly enjoy rhythm in a way that most people don't. Mm. And consequently, one day I was paid for it. And now I'm living off of it. So I don't blow my own uh, trumpet for that matter because I believe it's just... But you match the beat of your own drum. Ah, totally. Ah, listen. <laughs> uh, before we start sounding philosophical here... <laughs> Uh, a little bit about yourself, like where were you born? Um, a little, just a little bit about your family, schools yeah. that you went to, etc. So I was born in a small village mm -hmm. in Makueni County, that's the eastern part of Kenya. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up there until I was about maybe five, six years old. Yeah. And then we came to the city. I am the last born of four. I am so I, I like to say I'm the last of his name. In fact, I love being introduced as Kasivo Mutua, last of his name. That's, ah. a, that's a very interesting name for like a poetry <laughs> anthology or something, yeah, last of so, his name. Yeah, uh, yeah so um, I'm the last born of four. Mm. Um, we're two girls, two boys. Mbenge, mm. Kase, Musila, yeah. and Kasiva. You know, it's very interesting. I've not seen you with your siblings, so I wouldn't know, but... <laughs> Even if someone paid me, I would never have guessed that you're a last one. You don't, you don't have last born vibes. I don't have last born vibes. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah. I In mean, fact, I would have thought you were a first born. Um, um, I, I think I've just grown up to be quite responsible by myself. Mm. I also have this thing in me of uh, taking care of people. I like taking care of people a lot. Yeah. So then that, because, you know, the niche, I'm the vibe for last borns is that they are very clingy and needy. Sorry, last borns, if you're listening. But okay. but that's 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 like you know that's the vibes yeah. that we get sana sana and um, yeah I don't have those but yeah we're four um, I went to school um, for my primary education I went to Uhuru Gardens Primary School mm -hmm. it's somewhere in Langata Apo mm -hmm. Olivia shout out mm -hmm. um, people used to call it Vumbi <laughs> and then um, for my secondary school. I went to Buruburu Buru Girls. Just for our three international listeners, Vumbi is dust. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they used to call it Vumbi because... In, well, you, yeah. <laughs> they used to call it Vumbi because of um, our field, our soccer field had yeah. no grass at all. And like It was so dusty. Like you play in there, you get sick. You go rest for like a week, you come back, you play there, you go again. And the cycle continues, and you're just missing out on school. Listen, we can just we can just go right into climate change, but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Uhuru Gardens Primary School. Yeah, and then for my secondary school, um, that's high school. Yeah. I went to Buruburu Girls Secondary mm -hmm. School. Shout out! Um, and I fondly remember this school because I believe that is where I truly realized, you know, my journey with rhythm. And then, um, you know, after four years of high school, I went to university in Uganda. I went to this uh, small university in a little town called Iganga, mm -hmm. called Busoga University. Mm -hmm. And I studied uh, journalism. I should be the one right behind that microphone introducing this podcast. And we're going to take a short break. Okay, no, I'm kidding. But you sound, Jenny, you sound like the professional in the room. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, after that, I came back home yeah. and then um, just dived into 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 music. Okay, but, yeah. before we even, we'll get into like Burburu Girls, that's where you sort of was, I don't want to say, you were introduced to yourself in terms of rhythm, I would say, like yeah. fully introduced. Yeah. But I'm very curious, actually. I don't, I'm not sure if I've asked you this before, but it's a question I always ask people. Mm. What does your name, Kasiva, like what does it mean? And like what's the story of your name? Uh, thanks, Kibali. Mm. Uh, should I just call my mom right now? Mommy, Kasiva, ene Kasiva manisha chao? I don't know. Oh. I don't know what Kasiva means, yeah. but I, I think once, like, Kitambo, I, I met somebody and they told me Kasiva means hope, but I'm not sure it means hope. 
Mm. I might just call my mom tonight and ask. Is there like is there like uh is there any kamba word that comes close to like kasiva? Uh, any word? No. Kasiva, kasiva, kasiva. No. Mm. I know that I know of, but this is a it's it's actually it's it's this is a good challenge to okay. actually know what my name means. I've never bothered to know what my name means. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, even though it's like a thorough obsession in the world to know what your name means. Yeah, yeah. I, Is I, it a strong I, V? Because I feel like now that you now that you're mentioning, I feel like I'm pronouncing um, your name. I mean, well, because it's a Kamba name, mm. then it's it's in the middle of V mm-hmm. and P H. Mm-hmm. So you would have to pronounce it as Kasiba. Va. Kasiba. Yeah. Kasiba. Yeah. And okay. that intonation. Va. Yeah. Va. Kasiba. But you know, like just. Uh, being able to use this name everywhere and meeting all peoples from all walks of life. Yeah. And they can't say Kasiba. So my name is Kasiva. Okay. <laughs> it sounds, I think, yeah. Yeah. No, it reminds me of a Taita name, which also has that Va. Va. Yeah. 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 I was like, it's like that Kikuyu F that's not really an Yeah. It's, F. Got, yeah it's, like, it's a Bantu thing. Yeah. It's quite a Bantu thing. But it's, thing. it's gotten lost over time because of, being eroded by like Swahili and English. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. you don't how how do you write that with like Kawaida alphabets? You know? You know, you've just reminded me of uh we'll get to it. I think she's called Warsan Shir. She says that you should give your daughters names that the word she uses to unfurl the tongue. So it causes your tongue to uh, Yeah. <laughs> because it's almost like the essence of saying that was that because if you give somebody like if you have an easy name. Yeah. People will carry you easily, but if you have a name that somebody has to be has to literally pay attention to, like I don't think I'm pronouncing your name correctly, then they also come correctly yeah. when they address you. Absolutely, we are not going to get philosophical. Back oh. to Busoga University. Yeah, no, so, back to Buruburu Girls and you discovering music. Yeah, so I mean, if I get into detail, you know, um, I'll just take you back a little bit, and then you'll understand why I remember Buruburu Girls as like the sort of like the exodus of everything. Yeah. But um, my journey with rhythm started when I was about uh, six years old. Mm-hmm. And it was because of stories that my grandmother used to tell me. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was called Kasiba. So I was named after named her. Named after her, yeah. And Kasiba was a really, really cool storyteller. I feel like I got that from her because I have been told that mm. I can be quite the storyteller. Can, so, can be? Uh, can be? Stay humble. Okay. Uh, so, you know, she was a really, really cool storyteller and I loved her stories very much. Mm. And I would bug her to keep telling me more and more and more and more. And of course she'd get tired. She was old. So, um, she devised sort of like a way to keep me busy. Mm -hmm. And in the process of like telling me a story, she'd sort of cut it short and tell me, Kasiva, do you hear that? My name wasn't Kasiva. Then I was was called Toto. Mm -hmm. She's like, Toto, do you hear that? And I'm like, what? It's like, Ebu ran to that corner and listened to what that white cow is telling the black cow. I'm like, hey, when did they talk? Like, hey, yeah, yeah, run, 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 run. The secret is being told now. Mm. So I run there, I try and listen. I hear nothing. I come back and tell her, ah, oh, Shushu, you're, you're really playing with my mind. Stop kidding. She's like, no, 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 go back. You're missing out. So I went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And every time I went back, I listened longer mm. and more keenly. And, you know, through this deep, deep, keen, uh, keen listening, yeah. I started hearing so many sounds um, from what was happening around me. Um, I could hear the animals breathing. I could hear maybe the wind in the trees. I could hear, you know, somebody maybe laughing in the kitchen. Yeah. Crickets, maybe water trickling down, maybe, you know. I could just hear so much happening. And in between all these sounds, I started hearing rhythm. Um Say, for example, the animals are breathing. And then I hear somebody laugh. Mm. And then I hear... So... You know? And it, it sounded like a song, but I started hearing the beats inside, you know, the little song. And when I'd go uh, to bed, I'd try and replicate all these sounds on my blanket, you know, on my mattress, on the bed. 
and I still like until now I still use you know sounds from the environment to inspire me to create uh, beats and rhythm. Yeah. So then I went to uh, we came to Nairobi and I started going to school and um, fast forward then I went to high school. I remember the first Sunday in church, I walked into church and I saw a lady playing the drums in church. And I was really, really inspired. I was transfixed and thought, that's what I want to do. That is what I've always wanted to do. And after church, I went to her and asked her, hey, um, can I come and like practice with you whenever you practice? And she was really, really welcoming. Her name is Michelle Maguero. Mm-hmm. And um, we started rehearsing with Michelle and she taught me a lot. And sooner or later, you know, she left school because she was in her last year of, of high school. I remember when she was leaving, she was like, Kasiva, um, so I'm leaving and I'm going to give you the responsibility of being the official school drama. So now it's up to you to play the national anthem. I yeah. carried on Fridays. Um, it's up to you to play for the drama festivals, for the choir, for just the music festivals. It's, it's your thing. So when she left, I took, you know, I took, I took, I, I, I took the challenge on. And I remember going for the Kenya National Music Festivals, which is like competitions that we have in Kenya that are sort of like inter-school competitions. And the first year I went to the Kenya National Music Festivals, uh, things didn't end very well because I was very nervous because um, I remember when I arrived, I went to queue for registration mm-hmm. and a certain guy from a certain school asked me, hi, hi, how are you? Fine. Uh, what are you doing here? Are you lost? And I thought, why would I be lost? I mean, I saw the I saw the instructions very, very clearly. And I self-doubted for a second, even though I knew where I was and what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. Um, so I I checked again and and truly assured him that I knew what I what I was doing and where I was. And, you know, as I was performing, I was not truly, like, arrested in the sense of believing in myself. I kept on thinking about this guy who asked me if I was sure where I was and what I was doing. And I think because of this overthinking, I was very tense. And my drumsticks just flew out of my hands because my hands were sweating so much. And they went and landed on the judge's table. And I thought, oh, this is, this is a disaster. Mm. So I just went out, you know, crying and I never went back. The next year, I went back with hand drums. Yeah. I performed a bit better. The, the year after that, I went back. And um, this time I was third um, in the province level, which is now county. Mm-hmm. And then in the national level, I was about, I think, seventh. Mm-hmm. And then the last year of school, I was first in the county level yeah. and first in the whole country. So, you know, having that win sort of gave me so much um, assurance and sort of like a realization that I could actually do it. Yeah. But, you know, subconsciously I felt, um, I, I never ever saw, you know, a woman playing drums and I never saw an example. And subconsciously I was still scared. Um, the fear that I had that first time when my drumsticks fell, yeah. I still had this in my heart and you know, at the back of my mind because I thought maybe I was asked this because it's unusual for women to play, mm. but I I hadn't really deeply, you know, thought about it yeah, because, yeah. But, but the truth of the matter is, you know, when I was a child, whenever I would watch TV, I never saw any woman behind drums. When we were, you know, back in the village, I never saw any woman playing drums. Um, in the music festivals, I was the only one who went for the competitions, uh, for the for the for the drumming competition. And then, you know, now I won this competition. There was sort of like a, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a dissociation, you know, of how can I win this thing? But I've never seen anybody do it. Yeah. Is it going to be? Is it going to be of any use to me? Mm. Um, what does this win mean for me? So, yeah, so after that, um, I went to university and, you know, in university, I, there was no music class. So, you know, during the weekends, I just uh, jump on a bus. Actually, before we even get to that, yeah. what, what led you to choose communication or journalism? Uh, <laughs> and why Uganda? <laughs> ah, so um, the, the, the cost of studying in Uganda is way cheaper than, than studying in Nairobi. 
And my parents didn't have so much money to spend uh, at that time, so I was forced to go to Uganda. And uh, my choice of journalism is I always excelled in languages. Um, when I was in high school, I took French as a major, mm-hmm. and um, I got a straight A for that. So I thought, oh, wow, I'm really, really good at... Um, I'm I'm really really good in language in languages and in the arts so I thought maybe I should try out um, journalism as a as a degree. So um you know as I'm studying I need an escape you know um a place to just chill to be with myself to meditate to relax and I jump on a bus uh most weekends and go to the town of Jinja mm. which is where the river Nile starts. Yeah. And I'd go with a little drum that my sister gave me um, quite a long time ago. That was a birthday present. And I'd go and sit on the banks of the Nile with um, earphones in my in my ears and music blaring in my ears. And I would play along to my favorite songs. It gave me so much peace to be able to do this. Um, you know, at the time, a lot of people preferred, you know, to go to, to take a bus to Kampala and go explore the city, um, go clubbing, um, go watch the rugby matches because rugby is quite big in Uganda. Mm-hmm. I found so much peace and joy in finding solitude by the banks of the Nile mm. with a drum in my hand. And I did, I did this for a very, very long time. And, you know, um, I played in church as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I tried to find avenues where I could actually play publicly, and I found uh, a few musicians in Uganda, in in you know in the vicinity of Iganga, who you know would do like duets or trios, and I'd go and play with them. Um, once we went for a festival, mm-hmm. and I remember when we were doing our sound check, an old man came to me and asked me, um, "Hi, how are you?" Uh, how do you think you look like holding that drum in between your legs? Uh, would you sit properly, sit like a lady, sit like a woman? This question, these concerns left me with a lot of questions in my mind because in the manner that I was holding this drum, mm. it is the way it is designed to be held. Mm. If I was, and I started thinking, if I was a man, would this man question his fellow man for holding the drum in between his legs? Um, why would I have to be sexualized for holding an instrument the right way? Mm. It, I relate this a lot to seeing students being beaten for being left-handed. It's not a problem. It's your right. If you can write and write well with your left hand, it's fine. And I don't understand why students were constantly punished and forced to write with their right hand. Mm. It's not proper. Mm. And I compared this this scenario, you know, with that, and I found so much unfairness in this question. And this question kept haunting me because I didn't even ace that festival because I felt very aware. I felt like I was doing the wrong thing. This man was there just looking at me, and I thought, but how else am I supposed to sit? How else am I supposed to perform? This question led me, you know, to start doing a lot of research around um, women uh, and and drumming and women in music and just, you know, the whole shebang about uh, women in the music industry. Yeah. And I discovered a lot of things, you know, while doing my research in some parts of the world. It's actually taboo for some uh, for women to play some instruments, not mm. just the drums. Yeah. Um, in some areas of the world, it's not said out loud that it's taboo, but you can see that there are certain practices or certain laws that are put um, and instilled and followed that are anti-women practicing uh, some, you know, or playing some certain instruments. I started understanding much about, you know, the the dynamics of music mm-hmm. and women and its association and 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 then I started getting a, a a bit of you know freedom in the sense of understanding who I was and what I loved doing and you know just I guess where I was about to throw myself into because 
I was falling in love more and more with the drum. I thought, this is what I want to do. By the time I was finishing school, I knew for sure I was not going to practice uh, journalism. Yeah. And I would follow my heart and, and do music. So, um, you know, I finally finished school, came back to Kenya. And, um, you know, I started looking for spaces where I could actually play yeah. music. Um, I would go for um, watch performances. And once I went uh, to watch a, a certain drum circle just rehearsing. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I really, really needed needed to be part of that drum circle. Yeah. So I went and asked the guys, hi, um, can I join you guys? And, um, you know, they gave me a certain look, you know, the look that says... Uh, You're not welcome here. What, yeah, you know, like, what, what do you have to offer, yeah. you know? And you, you want to drum? Like, do you see a woman here? Do you even see a woman sitting around here and watching us play? Because... I remember vividly it was just the guys because even the women felt shy to even approach that that space. Um, I was bold. I was very bold and told them, yeah, 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 I want to play. I can play. And then I was given a drum and put at the center of the circle and told, okay, uh, show us what you can do. Mm. I believe anybody who's been in a similar situation can attest and say that um, I'm right saying that you cannot be at your 100% when you've sort of been challenged and put to be the center of attention and all these eyes are communicating, otherwise they're not support, they're not supporting, you're not getting any support from anybody in the circle. It's sort of like you've been thrown to the test, mm. you know? And I played and I'll bait, uh, you know, not very well. Yeah. Um, I played. Um, just meeting this kind of, not even meeting this kind of, uh, just experiencing this unwelcoming vibe and energy. Mm. I knew I was alone in this and I was just, you know, slowly, slowly, I was growing tougher and tougher skin by the day. Um, Just getting myself into situations where I saw um, clearly women are supposed to be in this space. Mm. Um, And my love to continue researching even grew deeper and deeper. Um, and you know, I started playing with this artist called Motinda in his band, but I wasn't there as a percussionist. I was there as a singer. And I remember, um, when Motinda was launching his album at Alliance Frances, um, I remember in the middle of the show, there's one song that I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. And I went to the percussionist assigned and told him, Hey, um, do you think you can let me jam this song? I really, really like this song. And I will sing and jam at the same time because my role was to sing, so I cannot not sing, you know? So um, I, I, he, he was really, really nice. He let me play, and, you know, I was quite surprised that, you know, I, I was even quite surprised with myself that I could pull such a stunt mid-show and it was not practiced. But I knew this was the one opportunity that I had to sort of, like, prove myself or perform in front of people and a meaningful audience for that matter. Yeah. So um, I went for it. And when I finished, I remember Susanna Oweo was in the crowd. Yeah. And, you know, she told me, she, she asked me, who are you? Where have you been? You're really, really good with the drums. And she gave me a lot of strength, you know, because she is such an icon in the African music space. Yeah. She plays guitar. She sings. Um, I know she plays Nyatiti which is, you know, a traditional instrument that, um, from, from Western Kenya, which, again, I don't see so many women playing. Yeah. And she gave me so much power and so much strength in, you know, sort of like just continuing to, to believe in what I loved and, and, and continue playing. Um, I worked my way up, you know, um, you could say the ranks, and um, I started playing with this amazing, amazing musician called Kidum. Um, and just grew from there. After that, I got my first tour to uh, go to Europe uh, for about three months, and we took uh, a Kenyan musical there. We performed. And what was shocking is in Europe, um, people were actually really surprised and shocked. I got to find my, uh, I got to sign my first, uh, um, you know, like I got to autograph my first T-shirt and card in Europe. And I thought, wow, 
uh, people want my autograph. This is what, like, I, I could never dream bigger, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, from a space where people would would look at you with very unwelcoming eyes to a point where people thought you are the star. Mm. And, you know, this, again, this dissociation of why is it that you're being appreciated so much away from home kept bothering me and I really, really wanted to understand the dynamics behind this. Yeah. Um, I I kept working, you know, and, um, you know, since then I've been part of uh, quite a few collaborative projects yeah. um, in and out of the country. I've been part of One Beat, which is a U.S. Department of State-funded project mm-hmm. that brings together musicians from all over the world to collaborate and make music and take it on tour. I've been part of the Nile Project, which is a collaborative um, musical project that brings musicians from all the countries along the Nile Basin to make music, collaborate, and take it on tour for the aim of triggering a conversation amongst the citizens of the Nile Mm. because we need people to start talking about the water conflict and the water issues that we have um, along the Nile. Um, You know, recently we've seen, you know, Ethiopia building the, the, the Renaissance Dam, the Great Renaissance Dam. And, you know, the fact that that dam is being built, that means then um, a lot of water is not going to be reaching Egypt Mm. and Egypt needs this water to, you know, grow their food. And we can see, you know, these stocks back and forth, back and forth are really, really affecting the relationship of the Nile citizens. Um, So we thought music as a medium is the best um, thing to sort of bring people together and just start a conversation. A lot of relationships are born from concerts, from yeah. from listening to music. A lot of uh, understanding about different cultures is attained from just listening to music from different cultures in different areas of the world. Um, I've been part of Coke Studio Africa, which is, you know, the biggest uh, pop project that brings... African pop stars together to collaborate and make music. There's Coke Pakistan. I think there's Coke India. um, And it has the same, same concept only in those areas. Um, I've been part of X-Jazz Women, which is a collaborative project that brings um, jazz instrumentalists, female instrumentalists from the UK and Africa together to collaborate and um, put out a new body of work. Yeah. And, you know, because, and so many more, and because of these collaborative projects, I've sort of built my muscle around understanding other people's cultures and immersing myself in these cultures to a point of borrowing some of their ways of life, understanding where they come from, understanding their food, their language, um, what, what happens in their countries, you know, their politics, what makes them them. And I believe this is really, really important in the sense of um, building an identity because for us to be able to live as one people, mm-hmm. say in Africa, for us to understand each be, each other as Africans, we really have to unlearn our ways in the ways that we know them culturally. For example, if you're from Kenya, you have to unlearn and probably accept to go five or six days without Ugali and maybe indulge in some matoke to understand that Ugandan brother or Ugandan sister. Mm. Understand, okay, be willing to unlearn and be willing to be curious, actually, to want to know how it tastes like, how it's grown, um, is it difficult, where do you guys go, like, how, how is your market experience? You only immerse yourself in cultures until you learn to unlearn your ways, mm. you know? Um I believe that uh, I've become quite a multicultural uh, person and sees the world in a very uh, multicultural dynamic Mm -hmm. because um, there's beautiful, beautiful cultures that exist everywhere. You know, touring the U.S. for so long, for about, you know, six months every every year for five years, Mm. showed me that there's so much to learn. You know, in each and every corner of the U.S., there's different people who have different... Uh, beliefs and just you know this is just a region and when you just narrow down to like looking at individuals each individual has their own beliefs they have their own stories and I believe my storytelling you know culture or or um, part of me has really grown from this kind of exposure 
um, I'm really benefiting from this because um, I just put out a new body of work called yeah. Ngewa, which yeah. is my debut EP. Mm-hmm. And this EP is super rich in, 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 in the sense of it has so many dynamics borrowed from so many different cultures, cultures that I've come across, cultures that I've learned uh, from people, cultures that I've read about. Um, I have, you know, in my travels, I've been collecting instruments from everywhere that I've been going to, and I put them in this EP. I learned how to play these instruments. You know, there's some that I had to teach myself. There's some that I had to apply kasivaism uh, in them, mm, you know. Mm. I didn't know how they're originally played, and I had to figure a way um, to figure how they're played and just adapt my own personal, you know, like my own translation to these instruments. Um, this this body of work takes you on a journey of my experiences as a percussionist, but also the experiences of places that I've been, mm. stories of people that I've met. And it's 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 quite a rich uh, body of work. It's truly enjoyable. It's about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's now available on all digital platforms. Platform. You can you can you can get yourself a copy. Um, you can stream the music. Yeah, go listen to it. Um, I worked with also such dynamic people. You know, um, my producer had never come you know across this kind of music, and you know just sitting together and us understanding each other from a point of, okay, I'm going to teach you rhythm yeah. and then you teach me production. Okay. You know, for us being able to look at... Do we at, know this producer? We know this producer. The producer is um, the man sitting behind the sound today. His name is Herman. Lo and behold. <laughs> half, one half of you know, Ari Diaries. Yeah, a half of Ari Diaries worked <laughs> on on my EP Ngewa, yeah. you know, and it was, it was really... Um, it was pretty interesting and and actually quite enjoyable seeing how Haman was learning um, percussion and learning how to translate percussion um, from a producer's perspective. Mm. He's never handled any project like this, and it was quite tough at first, you know, uh, me understanding, you know, how he works and also him understanding that I don't see musical time and musical translations the way other people see it. Mm. So it was it's it was really fun just seeing him like come around and start understanding, oh, this is how Kasiva's brain works. Ah, this is this is the texture she's kind of looking for. Ah, this is sometimes we'd get into, you know, fights in the studio and I'm trying to tell him, no, this is the one. And he's like, no, 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 this is the one. And I'm like, come on. I, no. I, I'm just gonna <laughs> say I remember those early days because I happened to be there, you know, and I I remember the confusion, (laughs) you know, and, you know, not just Hammond, but just the community that's, that surrounds me is quite dynamic in its own way. Um, There is um, an amazing jazz musician who has had my back and supported me all through in, you know, making, uh, making sure this, this project came out. Um, So having jazz influences or a jazz brain, you know, behind your back to, yeah. you know, having somebody like Matthew who is a, a reggae head, mm-hmm. you know, all these influences and all these uh, people and their personalities played a big, big part in making this EP uh, come to life. Yeah. And I'm really, really happy that this body of work is outside because, uh, is out because, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's it's designed to inspire people. It's designed to uh, anchor people and make them feel like they have a connection with home, mm. with their roots. Because again, it has elements from all over. It has so many elements of stuff that I listen to. Mm. Actually, you mm. know, you'll hear a little bit of West Africa. Um, I've only been to Senegal, but you'll hear, you know, a few elements from Mali because mm. I listen to a lot of Mali music. You'll hear stuff from Northern Africa, you know, you'll hear an instrument from Morocco, which I got as a gift, you know. You'll hear influences from Egypt, where I've been, actually. You know, you'll hear a drum from Sudan, where I've been. Um, You'll hear a little bit of, you know, storytelling from Hawaii, which I researched about. So Mm. it's not necessarily places that I've been to physically, but it's just a culmination of my story, which, which embodies... Places that I've been, stuff that I research yeah. on, you know, music that I listen to, um, languages that I love and teach myself. Um, 
children that I play with sometimes, you know, um, plants that I grow. Yeah. It's, it's a whole, um, it's a whole life on its own. And, and Ngewa is, Ngewa is a beautiful piece of art. Okay. Um, what's the story of the name? Like, what does it mean? Where did the name come from? Ah, uh, good question. So Ngewa is a Kamba name that means stories. Okay. And as I said, um, um, I'm a storyteller mm. and I've been to so many places. I've gotten the opportunity to really, really vastly travel. And I wanted to tell the stories of um, my experiences, but also the experiences of other people, my stories and the stories of other people, um, my, the stories of my culture, but yeah. also the stories of cultures that I have come through and um, embodied and learned about in my percussion journey. Okay. Um, as you were speaking... And the reason why I didn't want to interrupt you is because yeah. you there was a train of thought and it was continuous and I <laughs> I love that. But I as you were think as you were speaking, I was yeah. thinking about how sort of like in the African society, as we were told, yeah. drums were drums were the instruments that were that were used to summon people, like True. to to get people's attention to a particular thing. You know, they were like the medium through which messages were told, right? And yeah. I think when when I also think of you as as somebody who plays drums and percussions, right, or percussive instruments, yeah. I think of you as a messenger. And this is going to be a very random question, yeah. but like, I feel like you're a super, like you're super in tuned, like in tune with yourself and yeah. you're very attuned to like the world and stuff. And I'm just wondering, you want as a musician, yeah. like through this process and through you creating this body of work and also you being like a drummer and stuff, like are there messages that, that you feel like this, this, this is the message that I want to share with the world. Like this is, this is my message. Ah, uh, thanks for asking that. That's a very, very deep, uh, intuitive question. Um, it's true that I'm very, very in tune with myself. Yeah. Um, and when I look at the history of the drum and what the drum was used for um, mm. traditionally, I partly still use the drum um, for such reasons and mm. for such purposes. One is to send messages mm -hmm. because the drum was used as a tool to send messages. For example, in the early days when a certain rhythm was played or a certain drum was played, people knew something had happened. For example, you would know if if, if the king had passed on or yeah. died. Yeah. You knew if the planting season was coming. You knew if the um, all the boys were going for their initiation ceremony because a certain rhythm or a certain drum was played. Was played, yeah. Um, I send messages uh, using the drum as 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 a tool. Mm -hmm. I also um, express how I feel yeah. deep within yeah. by using the drum as my tool of expression. It's my primary tool of expression. Um, the the just being able to be in tune with myself mm -hmm. and channeling all my feelings through the drum. I find people. Insp truly, truly inspired, whether they dance or not, sometimes these messages are actually understood. Yeah. I've been to performances where somebody walked up to me at the end of the performance and told me, Kasiva, I heard you. Mm. You know? I necessarily don't talk about what is going on in me, but I also, as I said, just like Ngewa, which is full of stories about myself, but also stories about other people. Yeah. I tell the stories of how people are feeling as well. There is the ability to connect with your audience when you're in a room. Um, you feed off of their energy and they feed off of your energy. So when you're at a performance, sometimes you are talking or expressing what is going on in you, but you're also expressing what is going on in the room mm -hmm. because the room and the vibe and the energy and, you know, people's facial expressions and conversations that are happening, happening in the room, you can be able to um, be in tune with all of that. And to be able to tap into that and, and express, express it. it. Yeah. 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 So um, that's, 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 you can, you can say that is how I tell my stories. Sometimes um, I play in bands or uh, back artists and not, ne not necessarily that I am the focus yeah. on that day. 
And in that kind of scenario, then you support the artist yeah. to tell say their... to tell that story, to yeah. say what they want to say. But when I have my uh, individual performances where I, I I have the freedom to create and say whatever I want to say, then I choose the form that I want to go with that day. For example, I if I woke up uh, happy and hopeful, you will feel a lot of happy and hopeful in my playing. If I woke up happy and hopeful and got to the uh, got to the venue and found the audience a bit depressed, you will hear that I have a struggle between relating my happiness, but also the empathy that I have in yeah. relating with my audience that they are struggling kind of, you know, be, like they're not happy and they're a little bit depressed, then you'll feel it in my performance. What I'm saying is I express what I feel and what other people make me feel as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's very interesting as sometimes when people speak, I get like these images and I just thought it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't know if the word is interesting, but it's it's very fascinating to me that you almost have two mediums of expression. You have like the percussive instruments, but also because you sing. So depending on what you which which instrument you choose to use that day to express yourself, it's very it's for somebody who's also paying attention to you, not just the music, but also what you're communicating, sort of like those, what are they called? Like the, the undercurrents. Yes. If they're paying attention to undercurrents. They can almost tap into what you're feeling or what you're tapping into based on how you sing and what you sing, but also what you play at that moment. So it's very, that's the image I was getting to my mind. That's true. That's uh, true. I also play yeah. guitar now. Um, yeah. I, I picked up guitar during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So now you can add that you have to the as, list. As, that... a, as another, as another <laughs> instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Haman was signaling me, so I guess it's we're almost it's almost time for us to wrap it up. But I have I have I think two or three questions to ask. Yeah, you've already sort of alluded to the biases that you you faced mm-hmm. as as a, as a musician, as a musician, as an and as an artist who is also female, because mm. I feel like that's it's very important to say I'm a musician who is also female. Suppose I'm a female musician because generally we never hear I'm a male musician no you know yeah um but I think for me I'm curious the question I wouldn't even ask about biases but I'm curious to know with the work that you have done how have you broken some of those biases and not just for yourself because also you're part of you if I'm not wrong I think you founded or were part of the people who founded like Motra Music right exactly yeah so like how have you actively broken and challenge those biases that's the question i was just about to actually just talk about motra music but thanks for introducing motra music before i did mm. um uh, i've been quite lonely in mm-hmm. the music industry you know um being the only woman that i could see who was playing percussion and um because of that i felt the need to find women like me who probably loved rhythm or love rhythm, but don't know where to start from. I know it's very, very difficult for um, any woman to dive into rhythm because first, there is no representation, and that means there's no example to pick from. It's very easy for you to say, I want to become uh, a footballer, and there's millions and millions of icons to look up to. But it's not very easy to say, I want to become a percussionist. And then you look up and you don't see somebody like you doing what you want to do and become what you want to become. And I have taken it upon me um, intentionally now to be that icon or that example that a young girl can look up to and say, I want to become a drummer. And you go and research female drummers and you see Kasiva mm-hmm. because that means a lot because if I had representation, I believe this representation would have given me so much uh, more courage and so much more belief in myself, even at instances where I felt I was being brought down yeah. or, you know, at instances where I felt I was self-doubting. Motra music, which means modern and traditional music, mm. was co-founded about six years ago now. And um, I co-founded it with my good friends, Matthew mm-hmm. and Mobutu, who are both drummers. Mm-hmm. And Mobutu, Mobutu is also a percussionist. Mm-hmm. Um, we, co- we, we started Motra as a need to, as a, as a response for, first, my loneliness. But also, second, we thought there must be women like me out there who love rhythm, but they don't know where to start from. So Motra music takes through uh, young women and girls, you know, through the process of understanding rhythm, 
introduction to the drum, the history of the drum, why is rhythm important, you know, the whole shebang around drums and percussion. And then uh, we equip them with, you know, uh, performance skills, uh, we, we equip them with the knowledge of the drums, and we give them opportunities to perform to live audiences and for them to create, you know, a connection and understand the importance of, you know, performances and how music feeds into the whole connection of, uh, because music is sort of like in the middle of all other sectors, how music relates to politics, how music relates to environment, how music relates to business and any other thing you might think of. Um, Motra Music takes, through, takes these girls through a one-year course where they come in and learn all of this and when they leave, they're able to, they now have the knowledge of the drum, understand rhythm, are able to perform and they decide whether they wanna take it a notch higher. So if they wanna take it a notch higher, then now we can have one-on-one -on -one mentorship mm. because I believe when you're mentoring someone, that is sort of like where you sharpen the knife. You really, really sharpen it and that's where you learn, you know, the little secrets of, you know, how to perform. You get to learn uh, deeper what, what entails into probably maybe organizing a performance or how to carry yourself out, yeah. how to deal with clients. There's just so much more that we that now you learn under mentorship. So Motra Music is there. It's coming on real nice. Yeah. I also started um, an online platform called Vibna Queen. Yes. And Vibna Queen uh, was an immediate response of me thinking about how uh, the women in the music industry were faring on during COVID, during the pandemic. I mean, we all lost jobs and we were all locked down and um, we didn't have a means of, you know, putting food on our tables. Mm. But I imagine because of the scarce and narrow spaces that women have to fit in in the music industry, how tougher was it for them than the normal musician who's been gigging and probably has a few savings, you know, yeah. a few coins put yeah. aside. Yeah. So it was my immediate response to come to aid uh, my fellow, you know, uh, women in the scene. And Vibner Queen was a conversation and jam session. It actually still is. Let me not say was. Yeah. So jam, uh, Vibe No Queen is a conversation and uh, a live jam session that is done in my living room. And we sit and talk about anything women in music. Mm. Um, this is one space that I found uh, musicians and, you know, creatives to be very, very honest in because it's curated by me, who is a musician. Yeah. And it's created by a woman for women. Yeah, yeah. So then I understand and connect uh, 100% in the dynamics of women in the music industry. Yeah. And I found anyone that I invited on Vibe No Queen Season 1 to express them, to, to expressing themselves in a very honest way. And they told their stories in a very, very different way from anywhere where I've seen them interviewed yeah. or, you know, hosted. And I thought this is really important for audiences who are watching, you know, and tuned into Instagram Live to see that these musicians are normal people. Yeah. You've been hit the pandemic and so is that star that you adore. And so is that icon that you say, oh, I love this musician and I love this musician. They are human beings and you can relate to their story 100% yeah. from the way it's been expressed in Vibe No Queen. Also, I got the chance, you know, to jam with with each and every queen, quote unquote, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and you know, sort of um, dissect their music and enjoy their music from an acoustic perspective. Yeah. But also just see how their music sounds like with percussion in it. Yeah. Because some of them had never played their music with percussionists mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. They've never played with duets. Yeah. And so they have an opportunity also to see their music being reimagined and re-examined in that manner. Yeah. And that was really, really beautiful to see. Um, Vibna Queen season one happened five episodes and I'm happy to say that Vibna Queen season two is coming back. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been made possible by, uh, funding from Kekere Grant Storytellers. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be coming back and, um, it's going to be nicer and bigger because now we can have, um, HD formatted, you know, videos that mm. can be available on YouTube and then we can start, you know, creating sort of like a, um, we can start filing them and putting them together for people who are not even able to watch it live yeah. to revisit and see and keep this for other women who are coming 
behind us. We are sort of, you know, just storing it and and sort of like museuming it for people who are coming along. So um, these so, two, so an these, archive basically. Yeah, an archive basically. Yeah. These 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 two platforms are very very dear to me because um, they're sort of like attached to me on the hip. Yeah. Um, they have my energy in it. Um, they, they have my energy in them and my, my spirit in them, but they also have my full attention because um, women in music and understanding issues and offering solutions and just celebrating women in music is one of the things that I'm completely passionate about. Yeah. I live for this just by default, uh, being a woman who has actually gone through you know, quite a story to get to where I've been and practice what I do. Yeah. It's something that I'm very, 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 very passionate about. Yeah. And um, I hope to see these two platforms grow yeah. and become you know, bigger and better. Okay, yeah. I think my final, final question. <clears throat> Excuse me. As you are, uh, <coughs> sorry, I will. Haman, would you like to give Kibadi? No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, as you were talking, I was just thinking about. I was just thinking about the place of the burden of being the first. Oh. You know, I was thinking about the burden of being the first. Yeah. And the burden of because you are a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Um. The imagery that came to mind, um, I see this a lot, I think, on Instagram. There's a lady called Bozoma St. John, who is the chief marketing officer for Netflix. Okay. And she constantly talks about the hidden the hidden scars, the invisible scars that a lot of women carry when they are the first of anything. The first born, the first this, the first that. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about the responsibility. Almost, it could be conscious or unconscious, that you feel that you carry because there's opportunities, there's opportunities that there's doors that you've opened and they didn't open fully for you, but they're opening, they're opening wider for the people who are coming after you and the responsibility that you have to ensure that you, you keep, it's almost like you have to carry yourself in a certain way because you know the penalty will be more if you mess up because then the people who come be behind you will be penalized, you know? Like, that's the imagery I was getting as you were speaking. <laughs> that is that is absolutely deep, Kibali. Yeah. Um, you know, now that you say that, um, I've just gotten a realization that I actually never have before. Mm. This is quite deep, and it's, it's sensitive to talk about it on air. But um, I believe it's not only just for women... I believe being the first at something comes with a huge responsibility for whoever you are, whether you're a kid, whether you're you're a man or a woman or genderless. It comes with a very, very big responsibility. Um, I have to admit that I've I've been forced to start paying more attention Mm. to myself Um, recently, mm. and it's friends who are actually telling me you need to slow down and take care of yourself, Kasiva, mm. because the focus of um, my the passion that I have for women in music and problem solving within this space and offering solutions and still celebrating, as I said, yeah. is so intense to the point that I forget about myself mm. and forget that I am actually part of that music industry yeah. because I, I sort of have this, uh, you know, you could borderline, you, you could, if, if you saw it from a different angle, you could see it as people pleasing. But um, can you imagine if a female percussionist uh, um, rises from uh, Motra music and somewhere along the line, Something strange happens and they don't rise as as Kasiva Rose. Mm. People are not going to look at her then and say that she didn't rise because she did ABC. They look at you. It's always going to be related to Kasiva. Mm. And that's a huge, huge responsibility. Yeah. So it's almost um it's become it's it's gotten to a point of I feel like I can overwork myself to actually make this happen, to make sure that I do I do what I'm supposed to do to like, you know, over 300% for mm. it to work because I feel like I cannot uh, stomach 
any failure per se or yeah. any disruptions that come from consequently then from people that I have mentored or spaces that I have started. But um, it all boils down to oneself. Yeah. And I usually say, um, I've gotten the question of how have you gotten to where you've gotten to mm. and what is that one thing that really drives you? When I say it boils down to oneself, it truly boils down to your core values. Mm. It drives it 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 boils down to what inspires you. It boils down to what you want, what you you want yeah. and not what other people want. Yeah. It boils down to how passionate are you about about you? How passionate are you about you? The one thing that I know I'm completely passionate about is drums. Mm. Even before the women, the spaces of women in music, it is the drums that have consequently um, gotten me to loving uh, the spaces of women in music. And my love for the drum can be seen from when I was about six years old. I see comments of people, you know, on Facebook, people that we reconnect after like 10 years and people are like, oh, Kasiva, I remember how passionate you were about drums in university. I remember you beating your desk in primary school. You know, people can see the journey. The, the story has been truly written. It's been honest for such a long time because I've been working steadily, ever so slowly. And, you know, subconsciously, I didn't even know that I was working. It's now that I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, this journey started a long, long, long time, time ago. ago. Yeah. It boils down to what each individual wants it boils down to what you're passionate about. I talk about passion because passion is a deep, deep love for something. Yes. They say um, God was so passionate about us that he let his son Jesus Christ die on the cross. Mm. That is like love on like another level. Mm. If you love on another level, you sacrifice. Mm. If you love on another level, you commit time. You take care of that thing, you know, you pamper it, you water it if it's a plant. If it's a person, you inspire them, you feed them, you show them that you love them. If then that truly is what inspires you, then that means you've applied passion, you've given it time, and there's no way that you can do something that you're passionate about for what for over 10 years mm. and it, it, it doesn't give. Mm. I, I haven't seen a story of anybody who was super passionate on and consistent in what they were doing and it never gave in you know mm. i've read stories about boxers you know activists painters who started doing whatever they were doing like when they were tiny when they were kids or people who've done it for like almost 15 years mm. you know mm. and it it gives it gives one day so um i just want to inspire like just anyone who's listening you yeah. know just go forth like um um uh, you know, love what you do, deeply mm. love it, apply a passion, yeah. uh, give yourself time, be consistent. Yeah. And um, it's it's going to give. It's going to give. Okay. Yeah. I don't even think I need to ask you any final words. I, I mean, see, that's what, you know, each and every host does. Um, so, Kibani, <laughs> what are your final words? <laughs> My final words as we wrap up, because now we're, we're, we're role playing. I am... <laughs> My my hope, my hope, and my hope, especially for you with Vibna Queen, is to get to a place where there's an actual festival. That is in the works. Like an actual, an actual, actual festival. Like that is that is that that's the last image I will share that I was having. I didn't want to let the cat out my, of the bag, no, but you it's have. A, it's okay. Me, I I tap into I tap into <laughs> energies also. Thanks, but, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm working towards that, and it's going to be my joy to actually see. Each and every person that I have hosted on Vibe No Queen, yeah. be on one stage and play um, with each other and experience each other musically and compose and collaborate. Because, um, you know, I always um, tell each and every queen, you know, it doesn't cost you to fix another person's crown. Yeah. Your crown is still standing. You're just, you know, straightening theirs for them to, for, for, for theirs to look just like yours. Yeah, yeah. And it costs you nothing. So, um, we will we'll keep fixing each other's ground until we fix a festival. Okay. Yeah. Haman and I offer ourselves as, you know, as volunteers, paid volunteers for this festival <laughs> that you shall be putting up, you know, 
Yes, he he can't say no. He has to say yes. I don't know. Haman, Haman is my producer. I've, like you know the thing he is though, but like everything. I've, I've mentioned it in this podcast, so now he can't refuse. Yay! Now, yeah, it's sort of like we've signed an uh, a, a contract. Yes. Yeah, an audio contract. We've signed an audio contract. Yeah. can I just like um, do the closing cue, please? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into Ari Diaries. He's been your host. I have been the guest for this episode. My name is Kasivo Mutua and Herman sends his regards from uh, the sound engineering desk. It's been real. Thank you so much and stay happy. Bye guys. A huge, huge thanks to Catalyst Media for making this season possible. 